the heart of Christianity is wrapped up in that one statement, I am the child of God. You see, it's what makes Christianity different from every other world religion. You see, in other religions, you have to serve this God and work really, really hard to please Him. As a Christian, we're adopted into family. We don't serve a God to earn His approval. We're adopted as children. We are His children. The essence of Christianity is adoption. If you don't understand adoption, you never understand what our faith is all about. That you're a child. You have access to the Father. Think about it like this. The only one that can run towards the president without getting shot is a child. Anyone else tries to run at the president, Secret Service is going to take you out. But if the president's got a seven or eight-year-old child, that child can run right into the Oval Office and jump right into daddy's lap doesn't matter who he's meeting with. The child has access because of his relationship. Nobody else can do that. The only one that can wake up a king in the middle of the night for a cup of water is a child. Can you imagine a servant waking up the king in the middle of the night saying, can you get me a cup of water? That servant's going to lose his head. But a little child can say, daddy, I need a cup of water. And no matter who the father is, the father, being king, being president, being a great general, responds. You see, the heart of Christianity is we have a father. We don't have some distant God that we can't connect to. We have a father. And when you know who your father is, see, that's why we say I'm no longer a slave to fear, because when you know who your father is and what's available to you because of your father, there's nothing in this world to fear. Every amount of anxiety, every amount of fear, every amount of insecurity, everything we deal with is only when we forget our identity. When I forget who my dad is, then yeah, things of this world can scare me. They can put fear in me. I can deal with anxiety, but as long as I remember who my father is, that I am a child of God, then I'm no longer a slave to fear. Because what's available to me And that's the power of Christianity. God invites you into his family. He's not inviting you to a religion. We say all the time, God doesn't want to be a religion. He wants to be your father. He's building a family. Desperately wants you to be a part of that. I want you to just pray that with me as a declaration. Just close your eyes for a moment. Open your hands to God and say, God, I am your child. I am your child. And you love me. I have access to you, not because I'm good enough, not because of what I do, but because of who I am. I am your child, so I can run to you. With every challenge of life, with every adversity to life, I can run to you, my Father, who loves me. Thank you. In Jesus' name, I pray today that you just receive the love of the Father. That you feel the love of the Father. That you are so loved by God. That He sacrificed His firstborn for you. God allowed His firstborn, Jesus, 
to die so that he could have you. He gave his son to pay for your sins so that you could be a part of his family. That's how loved you are by God. It's powerful. And wasn't worship special today? Isn't it great? We are... We're so grateful to have Charlie with us. For those of you that haven't met Charlie yet, he's joined our team for the next six months. He's one of the top worship leaders in America, and he's come on for six months to help us build the talent that we have. We have so many talented people on our team, and he's here to help build and develop because as a church, we don't need one worship team. We need, we need multiple worship teams for where we're going as a church family. And so I'm telling you right now, if you've ever had a passion and gift for worship, you've got to remember the gift part. <laughs> there are people like me that have a passion for worship. I don't have a gift. I, don't, I, I make a noise. Like, like I can make a joyful noise, but it's, it's not beautiful. It's, it's definitely noise. But if you've got a passion or gift for worship, now's the time to get involved in our in our worship department. We'd love to invite you to come out and be a part of it and get engaged. We're building for the future and Charlie's on for six months. And I actually just met somebody a second ago, Charlie. This is, gonna, this is crazy. Someone came up to me and said, is that Charlie? And I said, yeah. And he started crying. He said, he brought me to Christ at his old church. Kyle sitting right here. And he just started crying. He said, I'm, 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 I'm a Christian because of him. And just at, at a church you were at before and when you were living in a different city, just amazing. So anyways, tell somebody happy Mother's Day sitting close to you. Shake hands and then we're going to jump into the message in here in a moment. This has been a great Mother's Day already. We can't wait to get into the message with you today. Before I do, let me invite you tomorrow night, May 10th and May 24th, we're having a special uh, Discover track. It's a fast track. We're going to go through the entire Discover course in one night. Uh, for those of you that have been a part of our church family for a while, this is the new name for what we used to call the growth track, which is the due diligence of our church, if you want to know who we are and why we are and how we do things and everything from how we spend money as a church to our financial accountability to our government structure to our vision strategy, everything you need to know to decide whether or not this is the right church fit for you is in the Discover track. Now, this summer we're going to be kicking it off weekly the way we used to do it, but we got a couple fast track additions tomorrow night and May 24th. And if you join the fast track tomorrow night or May 24th, we're actually going to take you in a special tour of the new building. We're going to walk through the construction of the new building, show you all of that. So if you'd like to be a part of that tomorrow night, just talk to the hub outside. I'll be there sharing my story of how I became the pastor of this church and where we're going as a church. So tomorrow night you can sign up, register, or just show up. All the information's on our website or at the hub outside. 
Well, this Mother's Day, I was thinking about, uh, you know, mothers and what it's like to be a mom and the challenges of motherhood. And, you know, just, just it, there's so many hats that mothers wear that I found some of my favorite memes. I love memes. Uh, I could sit there for hours just scrolling through memes. It's just mindless, you know, just makes me laugh. And I found some great Mother's Day memes for you. Here is one of my favorites. Why do we celebrate you on the anniversary of a day when mom did all the work? You ever wonder that on birthdays? It's like, you, you know, it's like she did all the work and you're getting the party. Uh, never make eye contact with a kid about to fall asleep. They'll sense your excitement and abort mission immediately. We have a four-year-old, so we just went through that season, and it is so true. You've got to be very, very careful with them. They're sneaky. What I say, no. What my child hears, ask again. Mom didn't understand the question. How many of you have raised that kid before? What if I told you dad also knows how to pour milk? Man, let me give you a great husband uh, a hack. Do a bad job the first time, and you never get asked to do it again. Just kidding. Don't try that. I've tried that. It worked for a while, and then she figured it out. Feel guilty that your kids watch too much TV. Mute it. Put subtitles on. Now they're reading. That's a good mom hack for you. Uh, when my kids follow me into my room after the sixth time, I put them to bed. How many of you can relate to that one? That, that's our son. Like We get him to bed, and like he sneaks out like two minutes later, crawls back into our bed. Silence is golden unless you have a young child, and silence is suspicious. Some of you have been there searching for my son's chocolate that I ate last night. Be honest, how many of you have done that before? Uh, have kids, they said. It'll be fun, they said. Come on, let's celebrate all the moms today. Happy Mother's Day. All of the mothers. And we have a gift for all of the mothers and the women of our church, because some of you are spiritual mothers, some of you are biological mothers, some of you are adopted mothers, uh, mothers in different types and forms and categories. And we have a special Mother's Day gift for you. If you will take this card to Lofty Coffee right down the street, right here on El Camino Real, Lofty Coffee, not Denny's Coffee, Lofty Coffee, like really good coffee. You get a free drink, any drink you want. Just give them the code word on the back of this card. These cards are available as you leave today, and they will give you a happy Mother's Day free cup of latte or whatever you want right over there at Lofty Coffee. So I encourage you to take your mom, take your wife, take Take whoever with you. Just don't go as a man and give him this card because you're not a mom and they may laugh at you if you go in there and try to use the code word. But we wanted to honor and bless all the moms of our church and the women of our church and just say you're special. We care about you. We love you. And so take that down to Lofty Cofty after service today or any time tomorrow. It's only today and tomorrow are the only two days it's available. So go down, get a cup of coffee on us. We want to bless you. Now, let me just also say for a moment, uh, I know Mother's Day for so many people is a very, very special day, but it's also can be a painful day for others. Uh, for some of you, you may be in a place where you didn't have a good relationship with your mom. Maybe she abandoned you. Maybe she abused you. Maybe it wasn't it wasn't what you wanted it to be. Or maybe as a mom, you made a lot of mistakes when you were younger. Maybe you didn't come from a good childhood and you didn't know how to be a mom and you made mistakes. And as a result, there's now kind of an estrangement between your children. 
whatever category. Maybe you're somebody who really wanted to have a child and, and just biologically that wasn't possible. It wasn't able. And so it's a little sensitive during this day. I want you to know that we're going to honor our mothers because all of us have a mother. All of us have a mother. We wouldn't be here if we didn't have a mother. Not because they deserve it, but because of who we are. And, and we're going to be sensitive to that and honor them. And then lastly, I just want to say, because I know this is a real sensitive area for some of you, and I want you to hear my heart today. There are some people here that Mother's Day is not special at all because in your past you had an abortion, and you felt like that was the only option. Doctors told you medically it was, it was the right thing to do. What you didn't factor it was the guilt and the shame and the condemnation that you've lived with since. And I can tell you a story about a woman who came to our church about nine years ago, a medical doctor, and her and her husband chose to have an abortion because they, they, she was pregnant, and they gave her child a, a 3% chance of survival, and if the child did survive, would have all sorts of medical issues if he survived. And so they thought the humane thing to do was to have an abortion. They didn't think about the guilt that would follow and, and how it, 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 the weight of that guilt almost crushed them until they came to Christ and they found grace and they found healing and they found forgiveness through Christ. And I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, if, if that's you, you're carrying the guilt or the shame of that, there is grace, there is healing, and there is forgiveness in Christ. You don't have to carry the guilt of that anymore. You can be healed of that and God can liberate and redeem your story for His glory. And so again, I just wanted to, I wanted to be sensitive to everyone here today because I know that there's people in different places of, of motherhood and, and life experience. And so I hope you hear my heart in that. We've been in a series on honor, on honor. And uh, over the last few weeks, didn't Michelle do a great job last week in the message on honor? She was here at the earlier service. And I tell you, man, she, she is one of my favorite speakers. She just always has, she's so brilliant, just has great content, but just an incredible heart for people. And I got to be careful because she could take my job. I mean, she's good. Uh, I, I listened to the message this week and was just so proud of the job that she did last week. Today we're talking about honor your mother. The Bible it makes this a big deal. This is a big deal in the Bible. This is such a big deal in the Bible that God actually included this in the top 10. Like there are 10 big commandments in the Bible, and God said this is that important, that you learn how to honor your mother. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, we're not under the Old Testament anymore. We're in the New Testament. We're not under the law. We don't follow the Ten Commandments because that's, that, that was before grace. You're absolutely right. We don't follow the Ten Commandments because we have to. We follow the Ten Commandments because we want to, because it's simply the right thing to do, not out of our behavior, but out of our heart. Again, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Anytime we do messages that feel like they're behavioral, in the sense of here's things that we need to do, you've got to be very careful with a message like this that you don't hear it with the wrong filter, because this could turn into a dead religion on you very, very quickly. You could walk out of a series like this, walk out of a meeting like this, and feel like, oh, I need to clean up my act. There's a, I need to do better. And you've totally missed the heart of Christianity if you do that. What we're talking about is a reflection of what a life looks like that is captured by God's grace. Because the goal of Christianity is not behavior modification. The goal of Christianity is heart transformation. So it's not about cleaning up our act in doing better as people, which is how a lot of people feel 
when they hear a message like this, it's about letting God transform our heart where this becomes a picture of who we are. In essence, it's not what we have to do, it's what we want to do. Let me, let me give you a picture of this that you can relate to. I want you to think about two kids on a baseball team, two, two boys on a baseball team. Both of these boys desperately want to hit a home run for their father. Their father's at the game, and they want to hit a home run so bad for their father. The first kid wants to hit a home run for his dad because he's never heard his dad say, I love you. He's never heard his dad say, I'm proud of you. He's always felt like his dad was too busy for him, too distracted for him, never felt like he was a priority to his dad. And he believes that if somehow today I can hit a home run, maybe, just maybe, my dad will say that he loves me. Maybe, just maybe, my dad will be proud of me if I can just hit this home run. So he trains, he practices, he works, because he wants to hit a home run so bad for his father. The other boy wants to hit a home run just as bad. He's just as desperate. He's just as passionate. He works just as hard. He practices just as hard. And he wants to hit a home run so bad for his father, but for a radically different reason. You see, every day of his life, his dad said, I love you, son. Every day of his life, his dad said, I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad that you're my son. He knows he can strike out every single at bat, and it's not going to change the way his father feels for him. You see, he wants to hit a home run not to earn his father's love. He wants to hit a home run to honor his father's love. He already knows he's loved. He already feels the love. So all he wants to do is honor the love of his dad. That's the point of Christianity. We don't hear messages like this and say, I need to do better so that God will like me. No, we hear messages like this and say, I want to honor my father because he already loves me. He already adores me. And so we have this principle, honor your mother. That's one of the Ten Commandments. And you say, well, that's Old Testament. But the Apostle Paul grabs it from the Old Testament and he pulls it under grace. He pulls it into the New Testament as a, not a law that we live under, but a principle that we live by. In Ephesians 6, here's how Paul puts it. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, I'm going to take a side note, and this one, this is just for free. It has nothing to do with the message. It's for free, so do what you want with it. It says, children, obey your parents. It doesn't say, adults, obey your parents. It says, children, when you're living in a home, the job is obedience. See, once you grow up and you get outside of the home, you don't obey your parents anymore. You honor your parents. So I just want to clarify, but let me just say this for a moment. For those of you that still have children living at home, every time you allow a child to disobey, you're teaching them to sin against God. Think about that for a moment. I know it's hard as parents because so many times I don't want to fight the battle. I don't have the energy. I don't have the strength. I mean, just let it go. Just let it go. I don't have time to deal with that right now. And we, and we, we let things slide. We have to understand the job. Parenting's not easy. And we've got to understand that every time I allow my child to disobey, they are sinning against God because the Bible says, children, obey your parents. So just, that was for free. Think about that. Let's move on. Honor your father and mother. There it is. Honor your mother. Honor your mother, which is the first commandment, by the way, with the promise. So you've got these 10 commandments. This is the first one with the promise attached to it. Think about that for a moment. This is not just a law we live under. This is a principle we live by with an incredible promise attached to it. This is the first commandment with a promise to go well with you and that you may enjoy long life 
on earth. How you treat your parents really does matter to God. And again, you may have horrible parents. You may have parents that have abused you. You may have parents that abandon you. We don't honor them because they deserve honor. We honor them because of who we are. Honor is a reflection of our character, not their character. We honor the way Christ honored us. Christ honored us when we didn't deserve to be honored. When we weren't worthy of honor, Jesus went to a cross and honored us by giving His life in our place. And so we honor not because they deserve it. Some of you have parents that deserve honor. And it's fun to honor them because they loved you. And Some of you, and I've been there, have parents that it, it, it's a little bit harder to honor, but you can still honor not because of who they are, but because of who you are. And again, it doesn't mean you put yourself in a manipulative situation where you can be abused and, and manipulated. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying there is a way to honor people even if we don't feel like they deserve honor. But if you are still living at home as a child, maybe you're a teenager here today or a child living here today, or, 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 or maybe you're an adult child of a living parent, let me ask you this question. Are you the type of son or daughter that you want to raise one day? Think about that. The way you treat your parents, do you want a child that treats you the way you treat your mother, the way you treat your parents. And even as an adult, the way you treat your elderly parents, the way you treat your elderly mother, one day when you're older, do you want your adult children to treat you the way you're treating your elderly mother, your elderly father? Honor your mother. This is what the Christian life looks like. It's a life of honor. Again, not because we have to, but because we get to, because we want to, because it's what Christ did inside of us. When you look at the history of Mother's Day, it's an incredible holiday that was started about 120 years ago. Anna Jarvis in her Methodist church uh, out on the east coast of America, after her mother passed away, the following year she got 500 white carnations for every mother in the church in honor of her mother who passed away, and she handed them out at church. And then she did it the following year and the following year, and it turned into this letter-writing campaign that in 1914, with all the persistence of all the people saying, this is so incredible what this young woman is doing, that President Woodrow Wilson established the second Sunday in the month of May as a national day to honor mothers, Mother's Day as we celebrate now. You know, what's amazing about Anna Jarvis is she started this entire holiday, Mother's Day, and she never became a mother herself, never got married. Yet through honoring her mother began this beautiful tradition to honor moms. Mother's Day is the third largest card-giving day of the entire year, 139 Mother's Day cards. Hallmark loves this holiday. <laughs> Went out today. It's the second largest gift-giving day of the year, only to Christmas. Think about that. More presents are given on Mother's Day than any other day of the year next to Christmas. What I want to do today is I want to show you just very simple, uh, seven very simple steps on how you can practically honor your mother. Very simple but very important if we're going to learn a culture of honor as a church. And we're going to start with mother. Here's the first thing. Love her unconditionally. Love your mother un 
conditionally. There, there was a, a moment in your life where she loved you unconditionally, where you were incredibly selfish. You were incredibly self-centered. I don't know if you've ever been around an infant or a newborn baby. They are the most self-centered little creatures in the world. They never think about anybody but themselves. They don't help around the house. They don't ask you how you're feeling. They, they add nothing to the relationship at all. All they do is take. Feed me, hold me, change me. Take, 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 take. It is a one-sided relationship. And yet, your mom loved you and cared for you unconditionally, even when you put nothing else into the relationship. And so we need to learn to love our mothers unconditionally, whether they have something to offer or whether they have nothing to offer at all. See, some of you are in a place now where you feel like, you know, there was a time when, yes, my mom added a lot of value to my life, like I couldn't change diapers on my own, but I don't need her anymore. She's got nothing to offer me anymore. She's a drag. No, we love her unconditionally. She gave you the best years of her life. She gave you the youthful years of her life. And now we honor her and love her. And the way we do it is the way Jesus loved us. Jesus said this, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciple, your love for your mother. He said your love for one another, but one another includes mother. That includes your mother in the equation. And you love your mother the way Jesus loved you. Here's number two. Hug her affectionately. Show mom some love. Don't take her for granted. You remember a few years ago, they had that bumper sticker that came out and you saw it in a lot of cars and it said, have you hugged your kids lately? Or have you hugged your kid today? We need to get signs made up and you put it on the door of every teenager in our church. Have you hugged your mom today? Because teenagers need to be reminded. Mom needs a hug. We take care of mom. Josh McDowell uh, has been an incredible influence in my life. He wrote More Than a Carpenter, which has been the best-selling book of all time next to the Bible. Incredible book. His son, Sean, was a roommate of mine years ago, and I was privileged to be in his wedding. Josh taught me a lot. Josh grew up in a very broken family. His father was an alcoholic, beat his mother to death, broken, horrible childhood. God totally redeemed and transformed his life to the place where he became an expert on marriage and parenting and family, even though what he grew up in was the exact opposite of, of anything healthy. And I remember Josh told me a story about his son, Sean, when Sean was about eight years old. I don't know if you have an eight-year-old that has ever done this, but he was giving his mom some lip. You know, have you ever seen you know, a little boy giving mom some lip, acting a little sarcastic, being a little ugly, being a little disrespectful? And Josh sat Sean down, and he looked him in the eye, and he said, listen, son, you may talk to your mother that way, but you will not talk to my wife that way. And something clicked in him that day, and he realized this isn't just mom. This is my dad's wife. Think about it, man. You would never let another person talk to your wife the way you allow some of your children to talk to your wife. Like, if a guy treated your wife the way that kid treats your wife, you would knock the guy out. Why do we allow that disrespect? This is the woman we married. This is the woman that we've committed our life to. And by the way, one of the greatest gifts, men and women, you can give your child is the child knows the marriage is first. The marriage is more important than the child. Like, mama is more important. I ask my son all the time, do you know who daddy loves more? You or mom? Mom. 
I chose her. I got stuck with you. You're going to leave one day. I'm staying with her. And I'm telling you right now, it's the greatest gift you can give your child. It'll give your child security, stability, and confidence in life when the child knows mom loves dad and dad loves mom. What's happening in America is we put the children first. And then as soon as the children go off and go to college, we have these marriages that fall apart and end in divorce because they spent 18 years putting all their energy into the kids and no energy into each other. Can I tell you something? Divorce for adult children hurts just as bad as divorce for elementary children. So don't think in your mind that it's not a big deal. They're adults, they can handle it. No, it, it leaves just as difficult wounds in their heart no matter what age they are when parents get divorced. So make sure you're putting the marriage first. And that's the greatest gift you can give a child. Here's number three. Understand her sympathetically. I want you to think about the challenges that moms go through on a regular basis. I mean, moms wear so many different hats in their motherhood. I mean, they cook, they clean, they're accountants for the family at times. Some moms are the breadwinner for the family and have to go to work and still manage so many things at home. Moms are judge and jury for children. They're, they're sounding boards. They're comforters. I don't know about you, but when my four-year-old gets hurt, he never cries daddy. He cries mom, 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 because moms know how to comfort. They're, they're more sensitive. Here's number four. Listen to her attentively. Listen to mom. Moms have an intuition into things that dads don't quite always see the seriousness of the problem like moms do. I love 2 Kings chapter 4. There was the boy out working with his dad, and they think he had sunstroke or, or something going on. He's like, my head, my head. And what does his father say to the servant? Carry him to his mom. <laughs> I don't have time to deal with this. Take him to his mom. She's got the time to, to, to comfort him and figure out what's going on. I've got, I've got work to do. And that's, that's just the moms are more sensitive. They, they, they see into the problem so much quicker. I remember when my wife was water skiing with her grandfather. You know, he's a, he's a cowboy from Texas. They're out on the lake water skiing, and, and she gashed her foot. The bottom of her heel opened huge on something on the boat or the water ski, something. I mean, it was nasty. She needed probably 20 or 30 stitches to sew this thing back together. But her granddad, you know, he didn't want to take the time to drive all the way back to shore and drop her off. They wanted to water ski. So instead of taking her back, he duct taped her foot together. She had to wear duct tape for like a couple weeks until the wound healed because they couldn't take it off and reopen the foot. I mean, but that's, that's just the difference. Men don't quite see the seriousness of the problem. Women are, are much, moms are much more attentive to what's happening. Moms know the difference of cries of a baby. I, I couldn't tell you the difference between a diaper cry, a hunger cry, or just a hold me cry. Moms are so attentive, they can hear the different cry. I want you to think about this. Your mom was so attentive to your needs when you were born. Gave up so much of her own free time, of her own comfort, to be attentive to when you needed a diaper change, to when you needed a bottle, to when you needed to be held. It's time for us to listen attentively to her, to her heart to what's, what's going on. They have wisdom. They've been through life. And let me just say, if you're not married yet, if you're a young adult or a teenager, don't get married without your mom's blessing. They 
they, they have more skin in the game. They love you so much. They don't want to see you in a failed relationship. And they know you better than anyone. And they know exactly who you would be good for. And they can see red flags of, my, I love her. No, 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 no. Z is not the right one for you. Listen to your mom. Listen attentively to your mom. Here's number five. Help her cheerfully. Not, not grudgingly. Cheerfully. I mean, think about moms. They do things you can't pay people to do. They clean up messes other people will not go near without a hazmat suit on. And yet moms will dive in there to do things that nobody else will do. Don't make her feel like a burden. Do it cheerfully, joyfully. We came home the other day. My son was at home doing homeschool. My wife and I came back later in the afternoon. He cleaned the entire first floor of our house, like everything, vacuumed and dishes. And He's 12. We're like, what in the world happened to our son? This is not a 12-year-old boy. This is not the son we know. He cleaned it all. And my wife was like, why did you do it? He goes, well, i just seen how hard you've been working lately, and I just wanted to do something nice for you. I mean, no, there is a God. Like, like I believe in miracles. On his, now it was only one time. Hopefully, it'll happen again. But it was incredible. Remember her gratefully. Remember her gratefully. Invite her to go places with you. Offer friendly gestures. Call her out of the blue. When's the last time you said, "Mom, I've never said thank you for changing all those diapers. It couldn't have been that pleasant." I mean, I can only imagine some of those diapers were filthy and, and you changed them all and took care of me and got me through that phase of life and I've never said thank you. Have you ever said thank you, Mom, for changing all those diapers? To remember, she gave you the very best years of her life. The best way we can honor is to gratefully remember her, invite her, call her, and then finally, remind her of how much she's needed. Mom's want to be needed. Tell her she's treasured. Tell her she's valued. Tell, you, tell her she's needed. That, that's what they want more than anything. I'm telling you what happens. When, when, when children go off to college, when children get a little bit older and they become teenagers, go off to college, get married, Satan begins a process of lying to every mother. They don't need you anymore. They don't want you anymore. You don't have any value to add to their life. I'm telling you right now, every mother I know hears that voice from the devil. They don't need you. They don't love you. They don't want you anymore. And you have a responsibility as people of honor to fight that voice in your mother's life and say, Mom, I love you. I need you. I have a pastor friend who has an estranged relationship with his mom. It was a, you know, a, a pretty rough childhood for him. She grew up in a rough childhood and didn't know how to be a mother at a young age and as a result made a lot of mistakes. And, and he's, he's forgiven her and he's trying to rebuild a relationship. But she's so broken, and he's like, I don't know what to do. I keep asking him to come stay with us. Come, come visit, Mom. Visit the grandkids. Come visit. Come stay with us. Come see us. And she just, she always says no. I said, well, she's living in such shame and guilt. I said, try this. Ask her to come help you for a week. Don't ask her to come visit you. Ask her to come help you. Make up a job and say, Mom, can you come help us? We need your help for a week. He said, well, I, I've tried everything. Nothing works. I, I, I'll try it. He called her, and literally the next week she was on a flight to Coseum. They want to be needed. They want to be valued. They want to be cared for. You know, as a church, if you were here last week, you saw what we were able to do. 
which was incredible. As you know, we have, we have all these mothers in the colonial down in Mexico that we've adopted this whole area. And last week, we put together as a church gift baskets for each one of these mothers living in the colonial that your generosity and your kindness and your faithfulness put together. Now, what a lot of people don't realize about these mothers is they're living in this squatter camp. It's, it's some of the most horrible conditions you've ever seen. And the reason they're living in these conditions is because they had to make a choice as a mom to escape the drug cartels, to escape the sex traffickers. And so they've left villages all over Mexico where their children were prey. And they made this choice to live in these squatter camps to protect their children so that their children aren't taken into human trafficking, their children aren't taken into this drug trade. And last week, as a church, we had a chance to put these baskets together to tell these mothers that we need you, you're valuable, we care about you, you've done an incredible job for your family, it hasn't been easy. And I want you to just take a moment, I want you to see what your generosity accomplished last week. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be a blessing. We thank you for the opportunity to partner with you, to be your hands and feet, to show these women how much you love them. 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 And Lord, we pray that every single basket will just be a demonstration of your love and your, your grace. Love and your your grace. Love and Let every woman who receives one of these baskets know that you see her, that you love her, and that you are with her. That you are with her. Bless our team as they take them down, and bless every woman who will be a recipient of this gift of your love and grace. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You know, thank you for the generosity and the kindness that you show as a church. It inspires me every week to be a part of a place like this. Many of us would never understand what it would be like to make a decision that so many of those mothers have had to make to protect their children, to flee their homes, to flee their their comfort, their stability, to live in these squatter camps, to get away from the cartels, to get away from the sex trafficking that's going on. And I can only imagine what it must have felt like for these moms yesterday to get a a gift basket on Mother's Day. They probably haven't gotten anything on Mother's Day in a long, long time. And because of your love and generosity, we were able to make a difference in their heart and in their life. You know, we talked a lot today about what does it mean to honor our mother. Can I tell you the, the greatest way to honor your mom, above all the other seven things we talked about, is to live passionately for Jesus. You know, as a father, as a mother, what we want more for our children than anything is children that are anchored and centered on Christ, that have a faith in Christ, that have a passion for Christ. 
I'm going to close with the story. Now, you're going to have a hard time believing this story, but I promise you it's true. I'm not, it's like the little, little girl said to her dad who was a pastor, dad, are you telling the truth or are you preaching? No, I'm telling the truth now. And you can Google it and find out, but this is, it's one of the greatest, on human record, one of the greatest stories of survival on human record. There was a guy named Peter Richley who was sailing from England across the world to Australia to make a new life, to start. This was back in the early 1800s. So he sets sail from England to Australia, and in the middle of the ocean, his ship sinks, and it goes down, and everybody on the ship dies except for Peter. He's floating along with the debris. And, and, and that's, that's not that strange of a story because lots of ships sank in the 1800s and, and other ships would come by and, and he was rescued. So he got on the second ship because the ship comes by and he was rescued. He was saved. But then as that ship was making its way, that ship, the second ship, sank. And everybody on the ship died except for Peter Richley. And again, now he's floating around the ocean for a couple days. And then a third ship comes by and rescues him. And he begins to think, maybe God has a plan for my life. And so he's on this third ship, and then the third ship sinks. Now, I know you're having a hard time believing me. Google it. I promise you this is true. The third ship sinks, and he's, everyone dies but Peter Richley. And he's floating in the ocean. All of a sudden, a fourth ship comes by. A fourth ship comes by and rescues him, and he's saved. And so they set sail. They're in the, in the middle of the ocean, and they continue on the voyage. And then the fourth ship sinks. True story. And everyone on the ship dies except for Peter Richley. Now he's getting convinced that God has some plan or purpose for his life because a fifth ship comes by and rescues him. And so the voyage continues in the middle of the ocean, and then the fifth ship sinks. And everybody on the ship dies but Peter Richley. And again, five times in a row, he finds himself floating in the ocean, and a sixth ship comes by and rescues him. The sixth ship's name was the city of Leeds, from Leeds, England. And it was actually on its way to Australia, where he was going originally. And so he saved on this to Australia. They get a few days from the port in Australia, and the captain of the ship comes to him and says, we, we have a favor to ask of you. At the beginning of our voyage, when we left England, we took an elderly lady with us, and she was so kind and caring. She loved on the entire crew, treated us all like her children, cooked for us. But over the last few weeks, she's gotten terribly sick. She's got fever, dysentery. We don't know if she's going to make it. We think she's dying. And she, she cries it out every day. Every time we visit her, she has one prayer. God, let me see my son one last time. Let me see my son one last time and, and let him give his heart to you. Would you pretend to be her son? She, she knows all of us. She recognizes all of us. We can't do it. But, but if you pretend to be her son... Maybe she'll, she'll believe you're her son and then she can die and, and be in peace knowing that God answered her prayer. And the guy said, well, that's the least I can do after you rescuing me out of the ocean. Of course, I'll go down and, and talk to her and I'll, I'll pretend to be her son. 
And Peter Itchley goes to the, to the back of the ship where this woman was holed up in a, in a quarantine little infirmary, sick, dying. And he hears her praying, God, let me see my son one last time. Let him give his heart to you. And he begins to recognize the voice. And he goes into this little room and he doesn't have to pretend because it's his mother. His mother set sail from England to Australia so she could see her son one last time and ask him to give his heart to Christ. And on that ship, his son Peter surrendered his life to Christ. It was Sarah Richley, his mother. She recovered and they had a few years together in Australia. See, I believe the reason that five ships sank and everyone died but Peter. The reason Peter survived five ships sinking is because of a praying mother. Never underestimate the power of a praying mother. The power of a praying mother. A mother's prayers are powerful. A mother's prayers put me here today. I wouldn't be here without the prayers of my mother. Many of you would not be here without the prayers of your mother power of a praying mother. But I'm going to invite you as we close today, the most honoring thing you can do is why not commit your life to Christ? What do you have to lose? To give your life to the God of the universe who loved you so much he gave his own son in your place for you to surrender to him. Would you close your eyes with me for just a moment? Before we leave today, if I'm talking to you, this is either the first time you've ever given your life to Christ, or maybe, maybe it's time to come back. Maybe it's been a long, long time since you really lived for Jesus, and it's time to return. It's time to come home. If I'm talking to you today, with no one looking around, just take your hands and put them over your heart. Just, just hold your heart for a moment with your hands. And I want you to pray this with me. Just say, Jesus, today, you can pray it in your heart. Jesus, today, I give you my life. I surrender it to you. I invite you to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I thank you for your grace, your forgiveness. I am now yours forever. In Jesus.